Keep God's word on your lips Meditate on it day and night Be careful to do what it says Then you will truly be successful Keep God's word on your lips Meditate on it day and night Be careful to do what it says Then you will truly be successful Good morning everybody, it's day 72 of our 90 day challenge and the topic is Live a life worthy of the Lord. Be careful to do what it says, then you will truly be successful. Colossians 1 and 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. To God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love you have for all of God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Colossians 1, 3, and 4. We always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people and all of God's people say amen. The topic for today is live a life worthy of the Lord. When I was in college, I, I read a book called The Black of the Berry by Wallace Thurman. It's an African-American fiction novel about a dark skinned woman who dealt with racism between whites and intra racism between blacks, you know, light skinned blacks acting differently toward dark skinned blacks. Some people call it colorism. It was a great read indeed, but I never forgot this one particular scene where the main character, Emma Lou Morgan, gets accepted into a college in California. On the first day of orientation, she surveys a room filled with thousands of other students and she thinks to herself, hmm, who will I be friends with? And eliminates all of the white people and all of the black men. She then zooms in on a black woman. There is 
only one other black girl whose name is Hazel, before she even meets Hazel, finds out her interests, learns what her major is. She decides Hazel will be her only friend. She thinks Hazel will understand her because they are both black, but very soon she realizes she is wrong. Their friendship disintegrates and Emma meets another black girl by the name of Grace, who at first seems to be a nice person. In the end, she tells Emma she is too dark to be a part of their sorority. Emma decides she hates college because her conclusion is everyone is mean and no one has extended friendship to her. The truth is she reduced the probability of friendship to two girls, all because she was afraid to go outside of what was comfortable for her. What if there were other friends waiting to be discovered, but she never gave them a chance all because she was afraid to embrace difference. When I think about this novel in comparison to the issues in many of our churches today, I see a common thread. Many of us limit our potential, our friendships and our God to what we know. We are Emma, and we run to the big conference looking for the person who looks like us or sounds like us. And often God hides the gift of equally yoked friendships behind the curtain of diverse differences. God hides the gift of equally yoked friendships behind the curtain of diverse differences. If you limit yourself to Hazel and Grace, please don't drop out of school and blame God for not allowing you to have friends. <laughs> Maybe your help is packaged in different wrapping paper. Maybe your spouse won't look like you imagined. Maybe your team won't speak the same language as you. Maybe the next connection will come from someone totally opposite than you. Don't limit Christ in your life looking for cultural confirmation. God is bigger than culture. In 2014, I worshipped with the Haitian community for the first time. All of their songs were in Creole, but the presence of God was among us. At the end of that same year, I spent almost three months in Germany. A few months after that, I spent three weeks in India learning how to connect with God in a country I had never seen with people who didn't speak my language, but the presence of God was among us. Half of the time, it is our refusal to be open that keeps new opportunities away. Sometimes we are so stuck on tradition that we can't recognize God any other way. We don't give God a chance to show up in the still small voice because we only look for him in the earth, wind and fire. In Colossians 1, Paul writes, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. We have heard of your faith implies that someone stood as a bridge between Paul and the people. Someone sent word to Paul about a group of folks Paul did not know. Yesterday they were strangers, but tomorrow they will become brothers and sisters in Christ. Worship should not be limited to our preference of expression, sound, and culture. Worship should be bigger than all of that. So look for God to surprise you today. Don't become so stuck on what you know that you stunt your own growth. If pain isn't prejudice, then neither is purpose. God is bigger than gender, denomination, tradition, and socioeconomic status. But are you open to God coming another way? Are you open to the fact that God's thoughts towards you are higher than your ability to control them? <laughs> so today be open because Christ is bigger than your culture. And that 
is the first lesson I walked away with after reading the book of Colossians. The second lesson was even more profound. And in order for me to tease it out, I just want to tell you a personal story. My first car was a 1991 Astro van. It was yellow, old and ugly. It didn't have air or heat, but it got me from place to place. And for this, I was grateful. My mom and my stepdad had one rule. Don't drive over 50 miles per hour. So, of course, I drove over 50 miles per hour at around 55 miles per hour. The wheel started to Harlem shake <laughs> at 65 miles per hour. The chairs and dashboard were speaking in tongues at 70 miles per hour. It was clear my car had a demon in it and it needed casting out. When I spoke to my mother later, she scolded me. Sean, I told you not to drive over the limit. She finally told me why I needed to stay within certain parameters. It turns out I needed a wheel alignment, a wheel alignment. That's why Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. Like many of us, they have played it safe for too long. They have learned how to manage dysfunction by maneuvering the wheel a certain kind of way. But underneath it all is a cry for alignment, for centeredness, for perspective, for Jesus. Paul is writing to a people he doesn't know. He is encouraging a group of Christians he didn't convert. Interesting, right? He didn't plant the seed of faith, but he is nevertheless called to nurture it. And many of us reading this are in a similar situation. We live each day growing something we didn't plant, fixing a problem we didn't create, parenting a child we didn't conceive, and advocating for a people with whom we did not grow up. This is how we learn to align our motives for ministry. Real ministry is not picky. You shouldn't have to have breast cancer to promote awareness about it. You shouldn't have to be bullied to take a stand against bullying. Instead, you should be willing to live a life worthy of the Lord. This means that your fruit should speak for you. Your life should reflect God's love, and that only comes with alignment. When we are properly aligned with God, our first question is not, how will this serve me? Our first question should be, how can I serve God through this? Quite honestly, Paul could have skipped Colossae. He had personal Goliaths to deal with. After all, he was in prison. After all, he was himself enduring a dark day. But when you are properly aligned with God, you see the prison through the lens of God's purpose. You see solitary confinement as a retreat space. You see the one bedroom studio as an office for counseling services. You see catching the bus as an opportunity to get to know strangers. When you are properly aligned, you will change your focus from an inward fascination to a nevertheless proclamation. Yes, I may be in Rome. Nevertheless, the people in Colossae, the sisters in Haiti, the grieving families in Nigeria, the marginalized communities in Newark, the homeless brothers in India, and the single mothers all over the world have need of my God. And my job is to live a life that is worthy of this unique calling so that God might be pleased in every way. You may not know all that God is going to do with you in this season, but trust me, God has need of your hands, your heart, your touch, and your embrace. He has need of your time so you don't drive your prayers above 55 miles per hour. Don't spend all of your life trying to pray only for yourself. Instead, align your life by interceding for others and worship 
is the tool God uses to align us. And the first step to proper alignment is to remove yourself as the centerpiece. As Colossians 1, 16, 17 states, God is before all things, not you, not me, his will above my own, his way above my own. No longer will I play it safe and drive within the parameters of human control. Today, I will step out and allow Jesus to take the wheel. I will commit to growing someone else's garden and I will remain submitted and committed to the God who makes me worthy. So what is your worship work today? I believe every worshiper has a scale. And by that, I believe when you look at the word worship, it means um, worth. And when you look at a scale, say in the grocery store, depending on how much fruit or vegetables you put on the scale determines the worth or the value of that particular vegetable. In this sense, I want you to add some things to your proverbial scale. I want you to put some things on the scale and let it go once and for all. Put jealousy on the scale, put envy on the scale, put unforgiveness on the scale, put competition on the scale. What are you going to put on the scale that says to God, I know you're worth it and I'm going to relinquish this and trust you. Not because we get brownie points for doing right things, but because our God is worthy of it all. And our good works are God's furniture. Step outside of your comfort zone today and study or learn a new song that you've never heard before from a country that you've never been to. Today, live a life worthy of the Lord. Alzaré mi voz y cantaré al Señor. Él es digno, digno de mi adoración.
Jésus c'est moi dans la vie nous Alléluia 